It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spring ball well underway for BYU football, and that means the recruiting grind does not stop for BYU. They're welcoming in a number of high-level prospects for visits this spring. We're getting the insight from John Garcia on all of them on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys making it a part of your routine. Today's show is brought to you by our title sponsors over at FanDuel. This episode of Locked On Cougars brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. As mentioned, welcoming in now John Garcia, the recruiting insider for the Locked On College Channel. And John, uh, first off, good to have you back on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Jake. Thank, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be over here. A- absolutely. I, I always appreciate your insight, and I know our listeners do as well, because recruiting obviously is the lifeblood of any college football program, and BYU is no exception to that. And they're, they're now in their second week of spring ball, and we're hearing more and more about different guys making recruiting visits during the spring. And I, I want to start there kind of philosophically, just kind of a large-pictured question nationally. It seems like the spring visit period, even though they're mainly unofficial visits, has become a very important thing for recruits to do, to go out and visit programs, get a feel for the lay of the land and then in many ways it feels like it leads them to kind of lock in okay these are the schools i'm ultimately going to make an official visit to down the road 100 jake it's it's like the pre-official visit official visit if you will because yeah you get a true sense during these spring practices for the recruits you get a true sense of the program right the culture the commodity or the camaraderie i should say uh obviously you, you get the campus tours and the uniforms and all that fun stuff too but you really get more football it's the only time of year uh, besides the season and fall camp where you're going to get that true feel of, hey, this is what my position coach looks like in action. Yeah. It's not a recruiting pitch and sitting down in the office where, where everything is usually led by praise. It's real. You know, it's it's more more action uh, of that coach. So it's almost a better evaluation window for prospects. And yeah, oftentimes it does help them narrow their lists towards those official visits, or even sometimes it helps them take it a step further and and say, Hey, this is a school I know right now I'm no longer considering, or, Hey, these guys are going to stay in it pretty much the rest of the way. So it is a really important time of the year and it's grown in importance, as you said, because these kids are making decisions uh, sooner and sooner in, in the calendar. Now, Kalani Satake revamped his defensive coaching staff in particular. He brought in Weber State head coach Jay Hill. And I, I know locally here, Jay Hill did a really, really nice job at Weber State at the FCS level in terms of his recruiting prowess and a guy that was unafraid to chase big fish. And it seems like since he came in to BYU, there's kind of been like a, a refreshed uh, just approach for BYU recruiting-wise where they understand, hey, we're members of the Big 12 now. We're, we're a Power 5 program, and we're going to cast our hat into the ring for prospects. I feel like they may have otherwise skipped over uh have you kind of seen that kind of growing on the national scene with BYU realizing you know what we have a bigger opportunity now to really chase some bigger names yeah this is going to be the first cycle where we we really feel 
that that direct impact because it's no longer we're going to do this we'll eventually move it, it's tangible we have all of the the frameworks and the timing behind us so yeah i think you're going to feel it a lot more in this cycle and then obviously for years to come but even in just some of the target areas we're seeing byu spread out just a, a little bit more obviously when you talk big 12 that's the state of texas that's really where you're going to see a, a more a, a tangible effort for all of these schools to sort of double down on that traditional footprint and obviously it's also a talent rich state but uh, you know scan the roster earlier just two cougars from the state of texas on this spring roster in 23 so that's really i think going to be the clearest way to view how this thing starts to change from byu's perspective they've already offered uh i think eight to ten texans right. in this class of of 2024 and that's a number we expect to rise as the the staff can get out later in the spring and, and continue to evaluate and obviously once we get to the season um, now all of a sudden i think that window uh, grows even larger for byu to continue to spread uh, where it's targeting uh, with, with some of these recruits uh, so that will be fascinating in and of itself but there's no doubt that that byu offers going to hit a little bit more nationally than it has previously although you know byu has always had its own cachet i think attached to the logo and, and the brand but I think just for the younger recruit, maybe who doesn't remember a lot of the the high points of, of that BYU football tradition, they're going to kind of get reestablished in, in that direction. And the Big 12 obviously is going to be uh, really important in, in that stride. I didn't necessarily intend to ask you this, but you mentioned the fact that BYU, they've offered a number of more guys in this recruiting class out of the state of Texas. Can you just, uh, for my listeners and, and viewers, can you quantify how important it is for any college football program to just get into the state of Texas? Like just how big of a deal that is? Oh, it's massive. I mean, I, I think, you know, every year is a little bit different in terms of recruiting and where the elite prospects are coming from. But Texas, if not number one, it's two, three, maybe four on an off year. Uh, the point is there's there's quality and quantity in the state of Texas. And Texas isn't immune to any one position. You know, the, certain places have a cachet for or against producing a certain type of prospect. Texas doesn't have it. You can go get a great quarterback uh, to lead your program just as much as you can go get beef on the interior or a guy who runs 10-5 in the 100 who, who plays corner. You can get everything in the state of Texas. And, and I think the second part of that that brings it up to relevancy right now, timing-wise, is nobody really owns the state. You know, it's not like Texas is, is under Mac Brown with Vince Young running things and every recruit with a sniff of an offer is rolling to Texas. It's not quite that right now. So it's a great time for a lot of schools to try to dig into the state of Texas. So I think that's another big element. Nobody really owns the state of Texas from a recruiting standpoint. So it's very much wide open, just like we see with, with conference realignment. So the timing here is really strong for BYU and all the new additions to the, to the Big 12. Now, obviously, that includes Houston, for example, because they're already in the state of Texas. Do you do you feel like each one of these new programs in the Big Twelve is going to get uh, just an ability, like a bump in terms of the, the, I guess their their name among some of these young men, because now Houston's in the Big Twelve, Cincinnati's there, UCF now BYU as well. One hundred percent. It just it kind of goes along with it. Um, there's there's milestones in the recruiting process when you get your first offer. Obviously, that's a huge one. Then it's first FBS, first Power Five. So now these offers, you know, Houston, Cincinnati, as you mentioned, these are Power Five offers 
that are coming in for these recruits. So it becomes its own milestone. And then, you know, for the kids growing up in Texas, yeah, grabbing that first Big 12 offer is a very big deal because that's just the conference they have the most access to at this point. Now, the SEC is going to challenge that in, in the years to come, of course, with Texas and OU moving that way. Um, but still, the foundation is is the state of Texas for, for the rest of the Big 12. And I think that's going to be just as important for those recruits when they do get to that threshold of scholarship offer. So it'll resonate with every single school in the conference. Now, I want to talk to you about some specific guys BYU's after, including what I believe are the top two quarterbacks in the 2024 recruiting class that BYU's after. We'll get to that with John here in just a moment. First, need to get a word in on our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, FanDuel's been with us for months now. The best part is the NBA season is coming down to the stretch run. The NBA playoffs are not too far off. March Madness is here as well. And now is the perfect time for you guys to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because new customers are getting what they call a no-sweat first bet. That's bonus bets back if you're first bet does not win think about that if you don't win you're getting rewarded just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app it's safe secure and super easy to use and then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained and beyond prop bets you've got it all seemingly anything and everything you want to bet on is available now the best part is FanDuel even let, lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with what they call is a same game parlay don't miss out on the chance to get your no sweat verse bet today from our friends over at FanDuel go to FanDuel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more now. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Continuing on now with John Garcia from uh, Locked On, our Locked On College Channel recruiting insider. And now, John, uh, obviously, are you a big college basketball fan? I know football is kind of your jam, but do you pay attention to March Madness? Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 probably still the best tournament of, of any sport at any level. So, yeah, of course, you got to pay attention to it. It's it's going to be another fun ride. And, you know, the upsets are are inbound here soon. Uh, yeah, that's going to be the fun part about it. Just want a quick reminder for everybody, if you have not seen it yet or checked it out, check out the Locked On College Basketball Bracket Breakdown. It's nearly an hour, literally game by game, it feels like, of a breakdown of all the major uh, games in the NCAA tournament. If you want some help with your brackets, I know I need all the help I can get. Check that out wherever you get your podcast. It's also available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. All right, John. So uh, when it comes to BYU, they have obviously made it a point every recruiting class to bring in at least one high-level course quarterback it's Aaron Roderick their offensive coordinator stated that on the record multiple times that he will always bring in a, a, a quarterback in every recruiting class because he understands in this day and age with the transfer portal you can have that thinned out very quickly to me it looks like there are two guys emerging as kind of the lead guys in the 24 class for BYU at quarterback obviously Isaac Wilson local kid younger brother of Zach Wilson four-star prospect but Luke Moga his name continues to pop up he's from Sunny Slope High School in the Phoenix Arizona area and he is coming on a visit to BYU this week uh do you feel like BYU has the capability of bringing in potentially both of them or do you feel like it's a one or the other situation 
Well, they certainly complement each other physically, which I think is interesting in looking at these two both in individually and then together. You know, Luke is is a big physical, almost a run first quarterback. Yes. He, he does spin it, but he's really known with, with, with his great speed and physicality as as a runner, just as much as he is a passer. And then obviously Wilson is just slinging it everywhere up at Corner Canyon. So they do sort of complement each other stylistically, but. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's something every school's got to at least consider this early in the game. You mentioned it, Jake. It's the portal. There's already going to be another window opening here in, in two months. We know a lot of these schools that are going to have QB battles going down. When when they start to feel, those participants start to feel, hey, it might not be my gig. They're going to hit the portal. So, I mean, just, just look at the top of the country, Georgia, um, you know, Ohio State, Alabama, Top on down, there's going to be a lot of battles and a lot of new quarterback names in the portal. So at this stage, before that next window, it does make sense to continue to, to push for a wider number of targets. Although BYU has been very deliberate in offering quarterbacks. I think there's only four or five scholarship offers out in total. A couple of those guys have already made decisions. Obviously, Wilson and Moga haven't. Uh, so that's going to be fascinating in, in, in its own sense, right? How much do you push for other quarterbacks? If you don't, then I do think it probably minimizes the chances that you take more than one. So you could view this as maybe they take two if everything aligns, or is it Isaac Wilson and then like a backup plan, you know, kind of situation, you know, maybe that's how it's being viewed because look, that thing isn't a shoe in you know, I know we'll talk about him in a second. It's, it's not a shoe in for, for anybody at this point. Um, there, there are far, there, there, there's not a lock anymore in the recruiting process. You can't just assume a prospect is going to head to a certain school. So I do think there's some due diligence going on here from the BYU perspective. Although, again, it's not as widespread as you would think if we knew, hey, they're for sure going to bring in two quarterbacks. Yeah, that, that, that I'm, I, you nailed that. I think it's, it's questionable, okay, what's their philosophy on that? But when it comes to Moga in particular, you, you mentioned his speed. He is a sub-11 uh, second 100-meter guy, and that that's just absolutely incredibly fast. But the, the bigger concern I've seen from some chatter amongst BYU fans is he had a sub-50% completion percentage last year as a high school quarterback. Would you be concerned about that as a talent evaluator go, from him uh, be sub-50% at the high school level making the jump to high-level Power 5 football? Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, I think you you take certain things from certain positions in the evaluation business, but when you're talking quarterbacks, that production, that tangible production is something that should come up. Now, is is there is there a be all end all? Is there a stat that's the most important with those those quarterbacks? Maybe, but completion percentage if if not number 1 is going to be high on that list because that sort of encompasses everything right your understanding of the offense your decision making your accuracy your timing so many different uh attributes that really define the quarterback position so you can infer and pull a lot from that but when you when you look back and zoom out um he's playing great competition great defenses in, in that phoenix area which is becoming a really strong metro area and, and he's kind of the guy uh, at his high school so i do think you could you could go a little bit more case by case at times just the same. So it's concerning, but remember these, these offers at this point for, for guys like this, you know, he's on the rise right now. Like he's a guy that people are circling back on and saying, yeah, I know X, Y, Z, but we're still going to jump in here with a scholarship offer. You're betting and gambling on that upside more so than the downside that, that is being pointed out by some you're banking on an improvement from a passing perspective with Luke Moga, there's there's really no other way to put it. You're you're saying, hey, we can help 
tweak him as much as we need to um, mechanically and technically because the raw and physical traits are so strong that we can't ignore. Look at the NFL draft conversation right now. You've got your Bryce Young, CJ Stroud crew, and then this Anthony Richardson, Will Levis crew that is all physicality and upside that that people are are legitimately debating, you know, for the number one pick all, all the way up to that point. It's the same kind of deal uh, with, with these two quarterbacks. What are you banking on? Maybe you bring in both, but I think a lot of coaches feel like they can fix some of the holes in, in, in some of these players' games, and that's a part of it too. I, I think your comparison for the NFL, I think Josh Allen is what everybody thinks of. Like he was kind of raw coming out of Wyoming and they've turned him into an all pro quarterback in Buffalo. So I think coach, you're right. Coaches are convinced that they can get the most out of guys. It feels like in many ways. Now with regards to Isaac Wilson, obviously he's been on the scene for seemingly forever now yeah. relative to some of the other guys in his class. How much more do you feel like he has to show slash grow as a quarterback? We've got a pretty complete package, I think. I think he's the total opposite of, of Moga. Um, doesn't mean he's not going to get bigger, stronger, and, and enhance some mm -hmm. of his strengths. But really, I think Wilson is so strong in the margins, right? Um, he's not the, the tallest, biggest, fastest, maybe even the biggest arm. But altogether, his decision-making, his comfort to throw the ball on the move and his ability to flick it. I mean, that that release and, and trajectory is fast from decision to execution. So it's all of those things together that make him kind of a no-doubter blue-chip quarterback. We've seen this corner canyon system be hard for quarterbacks to grasp, but, man, once you grasp it, you, you can take off, and the numbers are kind of always going to be crazy in, in that system. Just think of Jackson Dart, Devin Brown. Some of these guys weren't even there their whole high school careers yet. And still that system has, has been as wide open and productive as, as it really any in the country. So if you thrive there, there's pretty good precedent for uh, it translating pretty well at, at the highest level. And that's the thing with, with Isaac, we get the the modern spread mobile quarterback uh, who's, who's just kind of playing point guard out there. And that's what every school wants uh, with their trigger man. So he'll, he'll get better and bigger. I, I think that's probably the most important areas for him, but he does the little things so well, and he's been known for so long that, yeah, there's not going to be a whole lot of detracting when it gets to Friday nights and, and that game tape. All right. There are a trio of four-star prospects BYU's offered in this class. I want to get your insights on the guys that either have visited recently or will be visiting some of what we just talked about earlier with regards to these spring visits. We'll get to those guys' names as we continue on right here with John Garcia. But first, a word on one of our great local sponsors, our friends over at Utah Community Credit Union. They opened a new branch in Vineyard, Utah to celebrate UCCU's giving away what they, is a 2023 Kawasaki Terex 4 UTV. The new branch offers all the benefits that the UCC branch is famous for. Multiple drive-up lanes, a 24-hour our ATM and what they call their new interactive teller machine or ITM for short, which provides all the benefits of meeting with a real life UCCU professional, either in the branch or right from your vehicle. It's a virtual connection with a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection. So celebrate with UCCU and their new vineyard location. Enter to win that 2023 Terex 4 UTV. The winner will be announced in April, but there is a de key entry deadline, excuse me, is March 31st. So just days left for you to enter to win that 2023 Kawasaki Terex 4 UTV. Stop by that new branch and vineyard today or enter to win at uccu.com. You don't have to be a member, a member of uccu to enter, and there is no purchase necessary. That's uccu. Love where you bank. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day and always appreciate you guys making it uh, a part of your routine every single day. And John, uh, there are three guys I wanted to talk to you as we round out today's show that are four-star prospects. We always got a number of guys that are recruiting, but some of the bigger names. Reiner Swanson is a kid out of Southern California who has said that he's going to come visit BYU. And the more I read about him and his recruiting profile, it just continues. To, it seems like it's, it's just going up and up and up. So what is it about this young man? I believe he's out of Laguna Hills that makes him such a talented prospect. Well, he's he's got a little bit of everything that people love, right? He's got a multi-sport background at the tight end position, which is was really the first football position that you're like, yeah, we're great if you play basketball or another sport before jumping over to football. Uh, and my goodness, the production. He started playing ball, I think, as a sophomore. Um, so sophomore year, junior year, you total it up. It's like 20 touchdowns, 1,500 yards, just unheard of numbers at that position for even a seasoned football player. So to be new to the sport yet that productive immediately uh, basically has everybody jumping in uh, on this prospect. So, yeah, it's going to be a true national race for him. But from an athletic profile standpoint, yeah, he's maybe the hottest tight end recruit in the entire country. Uh, every single school, it feels like, has jumped in on this recruit. But look, you know, BYU was one of the earlier schools in on him. He is a member of, of the LDS faith. So I do think there's some distinct advantages for, for BYU in this recruitment. But national battle, going to take his time, we think, especially with new offers and options uh, coming in. So it's going to be one of those, do you circle back to that those foundational offers or, or do you look at some of the new ones as, as kind of bright, shiny toys? That will be as fascinating a tight end recruitment as, as we've seen in a couple cycles. Now, BYU has gone to Idaho and uh, plucked players here and there during their history. But the state of Idaho doesn't necessarily uh, traditionally produce as many high-level prospects as states around them, even like Utah does. But they do have a kid this year in Gatlin Bear. And he's got great size. They list him at 6'2", 180. But the thing about him that I have seen, I've seen, I've had people send me videos of him. He is just flat out a burner. And he runs, I think it was a sub seven second, a 60 yard or 60 meter dash, just yeah. an absolute burner. So he's getting attention kind of like Reiner Swanson, just because you see the speed on tape that shows up. What about this kid? Does it translate? You feel like is that track speed? Is it truly going to translate to the football field? Absolutely. This is another one where you're excited about the production. It, it's not as impressive as Swanson's, but it's very consistently to his name. I think he had a thousand yards as, as a junior. And, and yeah, the speed and the athletic profile here is a little bit more tangible, right? You mentioned the 60 meter time. I mean, this kid's been, he was running like at the junior Olympic championships as a six, two wide receiver. I mean, just not something you see uh, every single day. So yeah, every school, every program, any offense, could use uh, some type of speed and size on the outside. So he's another one 
who who's blown up. And, and since we were looking at this podcast, uh, I was looking at some of these names and I think Florida offered him right before we jumped on the air. I mean, this kid is another one who's picking up an offer every single day. So you understand sort of what's what's at stake competition wise uh, for BYU or any program uh, trying to get in on this kid. But like you said, when you, when you get into the geography and, and the regional pools, you know, there are some uh, some schools uh, like BYU that that really take advantage of their surrounding areas. It's not always about going across the country for a kid. So that precedent could probably help BYU uh, in this recruitment, though. This one feels like Swanson's another one that is probably going to go on for some time because there's so many new options uh, coming in. But, you know, these recruits remember, you know, the timing of some of these scholarship offers. We've seen kids commit to schools that say, hey, they believed in me before you did, you know, and that's something that that pushed me over the edge. That stuff matters. Uh, So from an evaluation standpoint, you like where BYU stands compared to these other schools that are coming in a little bit later in the process. Now, I, I want to talk to you about Paki Finau. He's a kid out of, of California in his own right. He's an offensive lineman, but it's, it's more of a bigger picture than just him individually. Every offensive line recruit that I've seen BYU offer in this cycle is has got a type. If let me, let me and let me explain. They're either if they're an interior offensive lineman projected, they're standing six three or six four. If they're an offensive tackle, they're standing six five or taller. It seems like in BYU, and it's you mentioned the fact there's a there's a type that BYU goes after, and I, I'm just looking at this. There's like an archetype. It feels like their offensive line profile fits and a guy like Pocky Finau, 6'4", 265 pounds. You figure that frame will fill out and he probably projects potentially as a, as a guard at the next level. But is that any more, are, are people recruiting offensive linemen that are more fit uh, a height weight uh, ratio, or is it just go program by program? You know, I think there is some program by program to this, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a threshold, right? I mean, you're not going to be 5'11", you know, 205 <laughs> getting offers on the old line. So hey, there's there's a was, minimum. That was in high school. I, I'm there you go. You. See, maybe Jake Hatch could have done it. Not not many of us no. could have uh, otherwise. But, yeah, I think we're, we're seeing schools play a little bit more liberally with the height and weight thing. It's not as as sharp of a contrast as maybe it used to be relative to the position. It, it's really – more about length and athleticism. Yeah, there's got to be requisite size, of course. But beyond that, how how long are the arms? How quick are you, you know, from, from a footwork perspective? You know, because we're seeing, and again, this, this translates to college and the NFL draft, we're seeing smaller, stockier players moving around a- along the offensive line. But if you can block and move, you can block and move. So schools are kind of bending relative to, to the athletic profile as, as much as they ever have. But yeah, certain schemes obviously are going to call for more size and, and conversely zone based schemes are going to call for more movement skills. So I think a blend of both is probably where most schools will kick off the process. And, and Pocky looks like he's kind of in that mid range. Well, John, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time as always. We'll do this again soon. And obviously we'll be getting ready for summer visits, official visits coming up and not too long. It's, it just never stops really. Does it? Not quite, Jake, but uh, we'll cover it for you for sure. All right. Well, John, thanks again for taking the time. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. 
There you go. That is John Garcia, our recruiting insider here for the Locked On College channel. Can't thank him enough for taking the time to join us right here on Locked On Cougars. Uh, just one quick thing before we go on today's show. And first off, a big thank you to John as always, because this I'm telling you, John knows how to do it, and he's he's done great work for many many years on the recruiting front. And not, like I probably should take more advantage of having him on the show, and we'll do that more often moving forward here. But before we go on today's show, uh, just a quick look back. We've been going through all 100. 155 of BYU's games they played as an independent. We're looking through the 2014 season right now. We talked yesterday about a pretty thrilling win on September 11th, 2014 over Houston. Well, BYU came off of that game and obviously we had revenge on their mind when Virginia came to Provo, Utah for a, 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 a second date. They'd gone out to Virginia to play in Charlottesville in the opener in 2013. Many of you will recall we talked about that. a Kind of a sloppy game in many respects for BYU and they just they fell and obviously lost that game to start off this 2013 season on a sour note. But BYU was ranked number 21, uh, welcoming in Virginia for this game. The Cavaliers were two and one on the season. Uh, there was some thought, okay, what what is Virginia going to offer and what are they going to bring to to the matchup with BYU in this one at home at BYU getting this game a return trip and Taysom Hill was not necessarily the sharpest in this game but got the job done 13 of 23 passing 187 yards two touchdowns and more importantly zero interceptions that's actually one of the big things when BYU struggled with Taysom Hill at quarterback he traditionally had one two or three potentially uh, three potential interceptions in a game he also ran for 17 carries and 72 yards as BYU kind of ground out a victory here. It was it was not a pretty game for BYU. Uh, they actually were, were trailing this one at halftime, but scored 28 points in the second half to run away with the victory, 41 to 33 over Virginia. And uh, that's the thing about kind of the hallmark of this 2014 season for BYU was it seemed like anytime something crazy was happening for BYU, enter Taysom Hill until he got injured. And we'll talk about that injury tomorrow. They were trailing 16 to 13 at halftime. And we're just really in every statistical category in the first half of this game. Uh, but they turned it around the second half. Adam Hine had a 99 yard kickoff return midway through the final quarter to really help set up BYU. And that's kind of a funny story about Adam Hine. If any of you recall a guy that had the opportunity or the, I guess the penchant, uh, for breaking big returns, but never scored a touchdown. He had a one, couple of them called back uh, that were actual ones that went for a touchdown, but he had a 99-yard return in this game. But BYU got the win, got to 4-0. And I remember vi vividly watching this game. I was at Lavelle Edwards Stadium in the press box covering it for the zone uh, where I now work. I've been working there for quite some time, but I remember watching this game. And I remember the hype was just like, holy smokes, what is Taysom Hill capable of uh, leading BYU to this year? Because he looked like he was just at the peak of his powers. And like I said, this was not the prettiest performance against Virginia, but the biggest thing was they had 28 points in the second half and found themselves a way to win this game and got right back into the national conversation. I remember after this game, all of a sudden it was like, okay, BYU is now going to jump inside the top 20. They're 4-0. Is Taysom Hill a Heisman Trophy contender? And that obviously came crashing down in their next game against Utah State. We'll talk about that one on tomorrow's podcast. So once again, a big thank you to John Garcia for taking the time as always. And a big thank you to all of you for making us your first listen today. Now I want to encourage you guys to make your second listen. Our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast, get caught up on everything going on in Big 12 football, basketball, and beyond with Josh Neighbors and the crew over there. Check that out on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. So until tomorrow, my friends, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.